live from Atelios. This improbable run continues. This is the Alan Griffin Show. We welcome you to Atilio's on James, Stephen Fonte, Alan Griffin, Mike Waters with you up until 9 o'clock. We'd love to hear from you at 315-437-7644. It's been a few weeks, Alan. How you been? Oh, good, good, good. Just uh, coming off that big win on Saturday, I'm just, you know, just happy. It was a big win. Tale of two halves, as they say. Uh, you guys couldn't make anything to save your life in the first half, scored 22 points. Then you put up 50 uh, after halftime. What changed, and what can you uh, what can you tell us that's safe for radio that was said uh, during the, the locker room speech at halftime? It totally was Coach Beham's uh, speech to the team. Uh, he challenged some guys. Uh, especially Tyus Battle, who we needed to play. And, you know, if Tyus doesn't play up to the level that we need him to play, it's going to be tough for us to win basketball games. And uh, Tyus was uh, great in the second half. It really made it feel like it was Georgetown, right? <laughs> it, it, it was only, it, that could only be a Georgetown game. I mean, every game with Georgetown is going to be like that. If you look through time, uh, you know, it, it's always a tough game. Regardless of the, the you know, the uh, records, it's always going to be, that type of a game it's always going to come down to the last possession or two and uh you know this time we were happy to be on top you look at the way that this thing played out and you know tyus battle took over down the stretch uh merrick dolajai has the charge that gets you guys the ball back with ten and a half seconds to play uh coach bayham said afterwards in his postgame press conference that the the winning play was designed for elijah and then tyus just happened to be open he gave it to him and then and, and tyus made a play is that one of those cases i mean he's also told us that like in the 2006 big east tournament that the play wasn't for jerry mcnamara against uconn but he didn't think that you that jerry would be open and then he was open give him the ball and he goes make a play is that, is that the same type of thing that all right well if tyus is open but he's not going to be open you know i think I think Coach is taken away from a little bit of his genius, you know. <laughs> I think we all knew who the ball needed to be in, you know, who hands the ball needed to be in at that particular moment. Uh, Tyus has hit so many big shots for us throughout his career, and it was just that time where we needed Superman, and he was Superman. Kid makes clutch shots, and it's funny speaking because <laughs> I know speaking of which, it's funny because on Orange Nation today we led the show talking about you know the the most clutch players in SU basketball history, and we get through the first segment and we're throwing out Jerry and we're throwing out you know Tyus Battle and, and John Wallace and and Pearl Washington, and then our producer Tommy Hogan texts me and he says, you know Mike Waters uh, put out a story today uh, along those same lines. I had no idea we had the same top four though, so I feel I feel good about it. We had the, we had the same top four. I I feel a lot better because believe me i got a lot of tweets and messages and comment section about all the guys i left out yeah I uh, bet. and griff and i we had a chance before the show started to kind of we were talking about it and like what makes a player a clutch player you know what it's just uh always being in that moment uh and you just never know what can happen but you know it's like a, a guy like michael jordan you know when it came down to it you knew he was going to get the ball he was going to get a shot off, and to be honest with you, 90% of the time, he was going to make it. You know, you just felt that in your heart. And that's just with guys like Tyus, guys like Jerry, and some of the guys that Mike had on, you know, on the list. Uh, those guys, you know, they salivate for that moment. And when that moment comes, you just know that they're going to make that shot or be close to making that shot. And, you know, obviously, again, we were just happy that Tyus made the shot because Marac Dolajak was wide open under the rim. He was. 
He was there for the tip-in, too. He, he it, was. It didn't come to that. It didn't he, come was, to that. he was wide open. Oh, my God. Speaking so, of Marek, if we talk about clutch players, we always focus on the guys that make the last-second shot. Marek made a clutch play in that game to get the ball at the end, right? Oh, yeah. Marek was in a perfect position, and I got a funny story about Marek, you know, with the, you know, Coming into the game, you know, the practice before, we had to put Marek, you know, we, 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 we have Pascal started, you know, Barama, you know, is the second guy, then Marek will be the third guy in the center position in practice during, you know, segments where we work on our 2-3 zone. Uh, and at this particular moment, Marek uh, basically told me, he was like, nah, coach, I got it, don't worry about it. So... In the game, after the charge, we win the game. We go into the locker room. I say, Marat, he was in the perfect position. He was like, he got really cocky with me. He was like, yeah, 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 because I know what I'm doing, basically. <laughs> and I was just like, all right, cool. All right, I couldn't, and I couldn't say nothing because he he was in the perfect position, and he was there to uh, take the charge. So, you know, kudos to him. Yeah, I mean, obviously the ties battles, uh, you know, game-winning shot doesn't happen if you don't get the ball back, and, and Merrick uh, draws the charge uh, in that situation. Uh, getting back to the most clutch players in SU basketball history, Mike, question for you. We, we struggled with what to do with Carmelo, right, because yeah. he was only there for a year, and it wasn't like Melo had all these game winners or even one that necessarily comes to mind. It was just he was so good night in and night out, especially during the NCAA tournament. So how did you resolve that in your head? I know you had him fifth on your list. Yeah. And we, we gave him a lot of consideration, but we felt like Mount Rushmore-wise, he, you know, we couldn't put him on the list because he only played one year. Yeah, if Mount Rushmore had a fifth face on it, you have to put Carmella. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on, fellas. Hold on. He's wait, just talking Carm- clutch. Oh, you're talking clutch. You're not talking about... No, 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 no. Okay, okay. I was going to say. Yeah, Holy Alan God. was about to like lose my mind. Yes. Definitely. <laughs> so we're saying, if in terms of the most clutch players yeah. in SU history, we had Pearl, we had Jerry. Jerry was first. We had Tyus, and we had uh, John Wallace. And and we, str- I struggled anyway with what to do with Mello because he was only here for one year, and he t- it's not like he hit like all these game winning shots. You know, <laughs> Alan he, and I talked about that too. We're he like, had, he had Jerry. <laughs> And one of the, I mean, obviously the, the most clutch player here. So he had Jerry. So, you know, Melo didn't have to uh, take those shots. Uh, I was, you know, I, I was part of Jerry's senior year, and I was telling Mike before, you know, get on the air here, is that I would have put him number one too. I mean, for what I've seen, what he's done, and what he did here, you know, throughout his career. Uh, no one has made more big shots. I mean, making six threes in a national championship game is as clutch as it can get. You know, just, and you can't get no better unless you make the shot to winning it. You sure. know, or if you're in the final four and you're in a semifinals game, you make a shot to get to the um, you know the championship game and then you have to win it right in order to be you know what I mean yeah that clutch guy and, and so. th- that week alone in New York in 2006 I mean he'd already done uh, all that to get to that point but that week alone what he did against Cincinnati and UConn and Georgetown and West Virginia I mean it was it was a magical week for a reason yeah, but I mean he, Jerry he, he has to be week, at the top of the league. yeah in no, one week in New York uh, than 2006 he made more big shots than a lot of guys did in their entire careers uh, and as far as Carmelo goes, I, I basically talked about it in the article where sometimes a guy isn't clutched based on a last-second shot. Sometimes he's clutched because he raised the level of his game 
at the big moment. And if you look at the semifinal against Texas in 03, Carmelo with 33 points and 14 rebounds. And, you know, it was his, it was his season high for points, and it tied his season high for rebounds. You do that against Texas in the final in four? In the semifinal. You have yeah. your best game ever? Um, I, I also go yeah, to that, that's clutch. I also go to the story that, that we've heard told time and time again from the night of the finals where, you know, Beheim's all nervous before the game, and <laughs> Melo's like, I got you, Coach. Like, don't worry about it. We're going to get this one for you. Like, that yeah. That takes some, uh, you know, ice in your veins, as they say. I don't know why Coach was that nervous. I mean, <laughs> when you got the best player in college basketball that year as a freshman, and, and you got another kid that – has hit big shots throughout that season as a freshman and jerry like i wouldn't as a coach i wouldn't be nervous i would have been very confident well i remember seeing kansas and what they did to marquette on that saturday night on at the final four and maybe there was a reason for some nerves yeah. yeah they were Can- pretty kansas good too blew, blew yeah. marquette out and of some the NBA players uh, on yeah, but yeah. The, you know Dwayne wade yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well i mean kansas was a senior driven team yeah. too right they had a bunch of you know sometimes in those situations you know as a senior, you, you kind of overthink things sometimes, whereas to as a freshman, you don't know what to expect, and you're just going to come in and just do your thing. And then I think at that moment, you know, those guys, you know, Melo and, and Jerry, those guys just said, you know what, I'm just going to do my thing. And obviously the national championship was back in Syracuse. Now you've had two years to, to watch Tyus do his thing, um, and he's hit so many big shots, not even game-winning shots, but you know, I went back to that Florida State game last year where he hit like three or four huge shots uh, in that game alone, Clemson from his freshman year, but even the last two years, just a bunch of game-winners, a bunch of big shots uh, down the stretch. That's something you can't teach, right? You can't, you're, you're a coach by trade. You can't coach that, can you? No. So where does it come from? How do you become a clutch player? It's just part of his DNA. You know, um, it's just a level of uh, uh, toughness. I think that whole second half, if you really think about it, uh, Elijah Hughes hit some really big threes for us. But when it came down to it, Tyus made shot after shot after shot. And it's just, you know, that's just part of his DNA. Uh, who he is as a basketball player, and it's gonna it'll trans. It's probably translate. I don't remember Tyus hitting game winners in high school, so I can't really talk about high school. But it'll translate every level that he goes to because, I mean, that's what he does, you know. So uh, uh, I'm just happy he's on my team. Three one five four three seven seventy six forty four is the number if you'd like to check in. Uh, you know, you guys have have rattled off five wins in a row. I can't remember the last time you and I had a show, and, and Mike, maybe you would remember. Was it right after New York? The last time we, we had a show right after New York? I thought it was just before New York. Uh, it was right around that time. Yeah, right around that time. The it's point is while. is that we, we haven't discussed you know a team with Frank back on the floor and you guys playing awfully well. What kind of difference does does his presence make? Even though he's not Frank at 100% and the Frank from last year, he's, he's getting to that point. How big of a difference, though, does, does he make to, to what you guys are trying to do? You know, he's our floor general. He's a, he's a guy in the locker room that a lot of the guys look up to. Uh, himself, Tyus, you know, Pascal, so... At the very end of the day, you know, uh, we we look for his leadership out there. And, you know, right now he's not making shots. Uh, he'll get back to that, you know, to that point at some point. Uh, but it, it's, uh, it's good to have him back because even if he's not playing 100%, just to see him out there, his presence alone helps us in terms of just feeling comfortable, out there, especially as a staff, you know. You know, his assist to turnover ratio was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And his steals are the numbers are amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just the shot, right. 
and he's talked about it. He, he's not going to the basket, and he knows it. So right. what's holding him back? Well, uh, you know, it's going to take him some, you know, a couple of weeks to just get adjusted playing as hard as he needs to play in order for us to be successful on the foot that he had, you know, the, the little the minor surgery on. So just getting back into the swing of things that way, conditioning-wise, he needs to get back, you know, going. Uh, and also, too, it, it, I mean, you know, college basketball, You, if you're not out there every day and then you just come back and you think you're just going to come back and just be yourself, no, that's, it doesn't work that way. And you have to work your way into it and get those practices in so that once – you know, you, you feel comfortable and you can start to see the success in the, in the basketball games. Our uh, hotshot producer, Tommy Hogan, back in the studio tells me our last show was the week before New York. So, oh. Tommy, thank you for that. Uh, that makes sense. I feel like we, we haven't had a chance to talk about Frank being back, and, and you guys obviously on a roll right now with five wins in a row. So even though Frank, you know, has, has struggled to some degree and only played 17 minutes against Georgetown, uh, was in foul trouble all game long and ended up fouling out, I thought Jalen Carey did some really good things. And the stat line doesn't necessarily jump off the page at you. Um, but he did a little bit of every, everything. He had four assists. He had the, the big three-pointer late, had the block shot on the following possession, uh, ran the team, I thought, really well, got you guys into your offense and, and, and played with some pace and some tempo. Um, I thought he was very good. You know, uh, and prior to him making that three, Jalen missed two almost wide-open shots, and the three was more contested than the two wide-open shots. For him to be able to take that shot, because I know me, if I was in that situation as a senior, as a sophomore, or even as a freshman, I probably wouldn't take the shot. Uh, for him to have the courage to go and take the shot means, you know, says a lot about him and his confidence and who he is as a basketball player. Uh, but he did a phenomenal job uh, uh, running the team. You know, obviously when Frank fouled out, uh, made some great defensive plays. But he was so composed. And, and, and for our guys to see him being the floor general out there as composed as he was i mean it just helped us because i mean again it was such a tight game uh we needed him to just come out there and just you know just be a floor general and, and he did it to the best of his ability he did a great job actually you know you you and and, and red and jerry you all played the guard position at, at syracuse and, and obviously we know jerry coaches the guards when you see something or make an observation or, or if red makes an observation about the guard position how much do you guys like talk to jalen or is that a you know you relay it to jerry and then jerry you know gets in his ear how, how does that how does that dynamic work or if some you know if jerry notices something at the center position does he go through you or does he go up to pascal and say you know hey you know first of all like especially when it comes to his position you know jerry could see it happening before it happened that's how you know he's a coach you know uh, but the one thing we do is, us three, we sit next to each other, so we converse constantly uh, with one another. So, uh, you know, um, so you, so we'll just run off, you know, information, and then you know we allow Jerry to go and say what he say his piece. But then if you know Jerry's busy and obviously he doesn't understand something that we're saying, we can go up to you know a guy like Jalen and say, hey, Jalen, listen, you need to do this X, Y, and Z, and it's fine. I, I think that's the reason why our staff is the way our staff is, is because we all get along with one another and uh, we all respect one another's opinion, and that's why we can, you know, have a great staff. Here. Jalen didn't play a lot of point guard in high school. He was a scoring guard. He was, at the, he was off the ball. Um, how long do you think it takes him to kind of figure things out and become more of a point guard? I think this his freshman year, I think the whole year he's going to have his good points and his bad points. 
Uh, the one thing that I can really honestly say is that Coach Beham has been phenomenal with him in terms of teaching him the position. Uh, because, you know, when he comes out, you know, it's sometimes where he'll take a shot where the momentum for him taking that shot is not right there. And, uh, you know, Coach, instead, you know, in the way Coach relay it, it's not taking his confidence away, but it's teaching him, like, listen, if Elijah Hughes hit two threes in a row, three threes in a row, your job is to get Elijah number four and five, you know, as well as Tyus, four or five. So, and, and, and you know, Coach has done a phenomenal job with Jalen that way. Uh, and, and that's why, I, you know, he was able to finish the game the way he finished it against Georgetown last Saturday. How about that block he had in the far corner on the three-pointer? Like how, how, how many, how many guards? Oh, he, he can cover ground now. You know, and that's the second block like that. Think about the game before that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he made a phenomenal – he covered ground and he blocked a shot into the stands. You know, I mean, he's an unbelievable athlete. Uh, even, even him, he's not at full strength, too. He's still, you know, battling his way back from the injury that kept him out. Uh, of, of a lot of practices early so uh, you know hopefully um, you know once you know finals end you know he can get into a, a rhythm in terms of working out you know with Jerry uh, non-stop and you know get him as a you know as close to perfection as possible we, we'll have a great guard 315-437-7644 is the number if you'd like to get involved in the Alan Griffin show we've got about 45 minutes left in the show we are going to take a timeout. Mike Waters Stephen Fonte Alan Griffin with you up until nine o'clock we're back after this live from Atilio's on James back after this on ESPN radio live from Atilio's this is the Alan Griffin Show. Here's your host, Stephen Fonte. Stephen Fonte, Mike Waters, Alan Griffin with you up until 9 o'clock. 315-437-7644 if you'd like to ask a question of Alan Griffin. We're coming to you live from Atilio's on James, getting out of the studio this week. This is our home for the rest of the college basketball season. <laughs> The patrons here love it, and uh, and Alan, we we spent a lot of time in that that first segment talking about the guard position, and and rightfully so. Tyus was the the difference in that game. How about your position with Pascal and, and Barab, and Pascal in particular? He really seemed to take a step forward, I thought, in this game with with his performance. Eight points, had three rebounds, did foul out, but but did some good things uh, on both ends of the court. Yeah, lean lean into this game. Uh, Pascal was struggling a little bit, especially offensively. He wasn't getting his opportunities uh, on offense that he used to get. Uh, but you know, the one thing is, is he comes to practice, he works hard, and uh, uh, you know, you, you could tell that this game was going to come for him. Uh, you know, Pascal. You know, in this game, he uh, he did a great, a couple of great things uh, in terms of defensively, uh, making sure that. You know, Galvain didn't get the position that he needed to get inside on him, but also too, uh, just was very active defensively. Uh, he, you know, he, obviously he only had one block tonight uh, that night, but um, you know he changed a lot more shots than he blocked, and that's what he does. And offensively, again, guys looked for him. You know, he had three, you know, three possessions and he got three baskets. It seems like if he's having a good day uh, defensively. Then all of a sudden he's active around the rim on the other end and he'll get a couple buckets. But it starts with the defensive end with Pascal. Oh, definitely. He he is our anchor. You know he needs to be our anchor every night, night in and night out. You know the more active he is, 
the more talkative he is on defense. You know, the more he blocks shots and chain shots, the better our team is on defense and the better our team will be on offense uh, because it'll lead to some baskets, you know, on the offensive end. But it'll also get him involved on the offensive end. He'll be much more active. I thought he did a pretty – I mean, I know Jesse Govan had a great day if you look at his numbers, but I thought Pascal – gave him some problems, gave him something to think about in there defensively. Oh, definitely. You know, and some of the shots that, you know, Jesse made was tough shots, Mm -hmm. really tough shots. And the ones that he made over Pascal, which he probably only made, you know, two or three shots over Pascal personally, like they were tough shots. And as a coach, you live with those shots, you know. Because of the percentage, he played the percentages in those, in, in, in those situations. So, uh, again, Pascal played great. Red said last week he thought Jesse Govan might be the best center in the country. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, he can step out. It's nothing that he can't do. You know, he's a good passer. He can step out, hit the perimeter three, perimeter shot. Uh, but also, too, he can play with his back to the basket. Uh, and he's playing for the perfect coach because that was that coach. That's what he did, you know. So it, uh, he's a really good player, and uh, he's going to have a big year. I said this uh, after the game on Saturday. Curious to get your thoughts. Um, do you feel like Patrick Ewing did you guys a favor on that final possession by, by putting a little press press on it? And by that, I mean you allowed – there was a lot of time. Ten and a half seconds is a lot of time. And you – allowed one of the best playmakers in the country, Tyus, to have an unsettled situation opposed to them having their defense set, whether they pick you up at half court or whatever. But by extending full court, did that, in a way, help you guys execute that final play? You know what? Um, I can see it both ways. Uh, and, and, and what Patrick, I think he was thinking is, is like, we're going to put pressure on him and make it uncomfortable. You know, because if you get 10 seconds and you coming down court and you coming downhill, as a basketball player, I'm looking like I have the advantage because this right. guy is standing there waiting for me to come, True. and he can't move laterally because I'm a – you know, it's not too many people laterally that can stay in front of Ty's battle in sure. the country. So I, I can see what Patrick is saying. Like, listen, we're going to pressure him, and hopefully he make a mistake or hopefully uh, uh, we get him to take, an, uh, you know, a, a, a tougher shot than what he took sure. uh, to, to end the game. So so there was just a case of a, of a great player making a great play. Yeah, right? yeah. That, definitely. Definitely. Did you see? I, I, I think I saw it on Twitter. Somebody put up uh, the, the clip of Pearl Washington oh, yeah. hitting the last second shot against Georgetown back in what was it '85, yeah. and they, they they paired it with Tyus's play. Yeah, I see. And did you see that? They, I didn't see it. They no. looked like mirror images. Uh, yeah, identical. Tyus yeah. was just on the other, other side, side of the elbow. Side of the elbow yeah. And, and it, but it, like just the time wise, in, in terms of coming down and setting up their shots. Well, they did it exactly the same. It's always going to be that way <laughs> when you play against Georgetown. You know, you might have a, a lopsided game here. You might have a lopsided game there. You might, you know, at the end of the day, when it comes down to Syracuse and Georgetown, it's always going to finish the way it finished most of the time. And that's another one. Jim Beham, after that game, said the play wasn't for Pearl. And Pearl came, in, you know, came to him after the timeout and said, Coach, I'll make the shot. Coaches, right? Just like Hoosiers. Yeah, right. co- Coach is taking a lot of the credit off of himself. Sure. But yeah, right. And he, he was sitting there saying, like, fellas, get the ball to Tyus. And <laughs> get the ball to Pearl. You can't, yeah, yeah, exactly. Get, get, let, get let it to Pearl. Make, make it and then when Jerry was playing, it was get the ball to Jerry and move out of his way. Yeah, listen, yeah. yeah, that's Coach. Okay, good to know that. Um, did you see or talk with Lewis Orr much on Saturday? I did. Because I know he was an assistant 
when you were playing here? Oh, yeah. Lewis was very, very, very uh, into the recruitment of me coming to Syracuse. Um, I love Coach Orr. He's always been a very honest and fair guy. Um, and, you know, I was around his family a lot when I was here, so they're like family to me. And uh, <laughs> when Lewis came out of the tunnel, I kind of said, I can't even look at you right now because he had a Georgetown shirt on. And I was just like, dude, I can't even look at you. And he started running after me, and I started running away from him. But it was all out of love. You know, I see Coach on the trail. We talk. You know, we see that games. We recruit, we recruit some of the same players. So uh, Coach O is one of the best. Uh, you know where his heart is. Um, he's a good dude, really fair, and um, I love him to death. Wish him I, all nothing but the you know, he's been there for two years, mm-hmm. and you guys have recovered from double-digit halftime leads mm-hmm. both times. Is there any chance he's acting as a double agent on your I, behalf? I think so. I, I, I think so. Can, I mean, don't tell Patrick Ewing no, this, right? No, but, no, 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 no. Uh, you know, again, you know, again, both ways. Um, it, it, again, like I've been saying it, I've been preaching it the whole time. When Syracuse and Georgetown plays, it's always going to come down to something in, in that way. You know, last year, Tyus hit the big shot. What, didn't he hit the big shot to go to overtime? That's right. Yeah. Uh, in regulation. Yeah, yeah, in regulation, you know. Um, and, 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 again, he hit the game winner now. And I know I can't. I know Georgetown can't wait for him to get out of college, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you know, you, you look at this rivalry, and I, I realize you're, you're not in the same conference anymore, and it's, it's never going to be like it used to be, you know, back with, when Big John was, was coaching and, and those great games you had. But, you know, you being a former player in this program, does the, the, the blood boil a little bit when you when you see Georgetown on the other bench oh, still? De- oh, definitely. It, I mean, and you know what? Leading up to the game, the fans, the town, wherever you are, when the Georgetown game is coming up and it's on the horizon, the people in Syracuse is letting you know, like, listen, you're playing against Georgetown. We don't care about Duke. We don't care about Kansas. We don't care about nobody. You're playing against Georgetown. And we want to win the game, and it's like we hate them. <laughs> it ain't. It's not nothing like was well, two good teams. Sure, it's like we hate them. Yeah, and it seems like the it seems like the Duke rivalry is kind of civilized, you know. But the the Georgetown rivalry is it. it to your point, Alan, it, it seems like there's a little bit of a hatred there. And you know, the contract is up. This was the the fourth game of of the four year deal. If that's the last one we see for a while, it was a pretty good one to oh, go out on, especially oh, from a Syracuse perspective. Oh, definitely. Pretty good send-off. But I think both schools are going to get together and, and bring it back at some point. Maybe it's a year from now. Maybe it's two years from now. But I don't think that they stop this rivalry. I don't I don't care what they say. Yeah. All right. 315-437-7644 is the number if you'd like to check in. We do need to take another timeout. We're halfway home. On the Alan Griffin Show, coming to you live from Atilio's on James. We're back after this on ESPN Radio. Live from Atilio's. This is the Alan Griffin Show. Here's your host, Stephen Fonte. Stephen Fonte, Mike Waters, Alan Griffin with you up until 9 o'clock. 315-437-7644 is the number. We're coming to you live from Atilio's on James. You're listening to ESPN Radio. And Griff, I had a a question texted to me uh, during the break. Uh, Listener wants to know, what can you take away from your playing days as a guard to now coaching the centers? Oh, wow. Um, 
What can I take away from my playing days as a guard now coaching the centers? I would say, you know, the one thing about basketball is, is you know, each position you have some similarity, you know. Uh, and, and, and for the big guys, I always talk about footwork, you know. Regardless of what happens, you can always talk about footwork. So that's the, one of the things that I focus on is making sure that these guys have the proper footwork in the post, off the post. You know, you know, we run a, a, a play where our guys are out, you know, outside past the three-point line and making sure that they can be in triple threat and be able to, you know, shoot past or dribble at any given moment. So uh, th- th- that's the one thing that I focus on, you know, being a guard, now coaching the centers. You There's know, always a, yeah, an element of, like, oh, they need a big man to coach the big man. You know, guard can't coach. The, the most famous big man coach of all time was Pete Newell. Yeah. He had yeah. the Pete Newell big man camp. Right. It was famous camp. Big men in the summers always went out to get coached by this guy, who was probably no more than what five foot ten. Yeah, he's a, he's so not, you not, don't not have to be seven foot to coach a guy to play basketball, no matter what position. You know, and it's funny. Most big guys yeah. want to be guards, <laughs> and most guards want to be big guys. That's it's just it. I I remember specifically being in school here, and Jason Hart would like he he would like to play in the post. Just because it was different than what he was doing every day, you know. So, you know, if you look at Joel Embiid, you know, he's playing more uh, uh, on the perimeter than, you know, in the, you know, in the paint, and that's just the way the NBA goes. So, um, again, you know, I, I really focus on just trying to help these guys be as skilled as possible, uh, and that'll help us as a team. You mentioned a, a little while ago that you said, you know, maybe maybe once they get through finals, Frank can kind of get up to speed and Jalen can get up to speed, you know, with their, their injuries. They're kind of battling through things. You know, you look at, at the schedule. You had this week off to, to get through your final exams, and you've got Old Dominion, Buffalo, Arkansas State, St. Bonaventure to close out the non-conference. Obviously, the students are away. It's just you guys on campus for the most part after finals wrap-up. How important is this time when it's it's pretty much just you guys on campus and the players and in terms of in terms of chemistry and bonding? And, I mean, is this an important time of year before you get ready for the, for the conference schedule? The most important time of the year, and then I would say secondly, is the summertime leading into the school year. Uh, and, and why I say that is, is this, um, you know, your freshmen at this particular moment grow to be sophomores, especially coming into league play. Uh, so every experience that they experience in a non-conference, uh, uh, they, they, they have that experience. They put that in the bank. And now, you know, given, you know, that they don't have to worry about class right now, all they can do is just worry about and focus on basketball, uh, it, it just kind of... Uh, um, give them a, a, a big boost, you know, from a, a, a physical development standpoint, uh, because, you know, Ryan will do a great job with those guys during this time, but also, too, from a basketball and a mental perspective of, you know, you can watch a lot more film, you know, you can get on the court, do, you know, the individuals, you, you can set a time, and the quality of life of just, just straight basketball is there. And, and, and guys, who take advantage of this time? They thrive with. They thrive on it. So, yeah, it, it's a big time. Time. What are practices like this week during finals? And is it at the end of this week? Is it hard to get the guys 
ready to focus on that that game coming right out of finals, which is this Saturday is a very good Old Dominion team. Yeah, it, it's tough because you know you kind of break routine. You know, for us, we practice pretty much every day at four o'clock, and guys know that from four to seven o'clock at night. That's my time where I'm on the basketball court. I'm not worrying about nothing else but basketball. Whereas to now, because of finals and, and, and study schedules, it's a little bit uh, kind of uh, mixed up. So, you know, we got practice tomorrow, and we play at noon on Saturday. So, like, it's a little bit it's a little bit wacky for them at first, but I think towards the end leading into the game, uh, guys are kind of refocused and get themselves uh, ready for the game. You know, you look at, at the rest of the non-conference schedule, I rattled off the opponents. You know, Old Dominion, Buffalo, St. Bonaventure, these are pretty good non-conference opponents. They don't have the brand name of, you know, Georgetown across their chest or UConn across their chest, but, you know, Buffalo in particular is in the top 15 this week. Yeah, Buffalo's a very, very good team, and, uh, you know, you know, uh, they'll be ready to come play. They went down to West Virginia and had a really impressive win against uh, West Virginia, at, you know, in Morgantown. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, we can't look past Old Dominion sure. thinking about Buffalo. I think we they've got, won five in a row, right? Oh, Old yeah. Dominion? Old Dominion is a very good team, five in a, five in a row, you know, and uh, we just got to focus on, you know, every day. You know, we can't look past each day because once we start to look past that, we can, uh, you know, kind of get ourselves in a jam. You know, you mentioned you're not looking past Old Dominion to get to Buffalo. Um, you know, I, I would imagine Buffalo feels like they owe you one from last year. They went right down to the wire. You guys got in the tournament because of that win. Um, they probably feel like they let one slip away, I would imagine. Yeah, definitely. They played us, you know, great, uh, especially in the second half. They did a lot of great things. Uh, they, were able out, they were able to get out and transition in the second half, but also to – uh, they went inside to Perkins, who really hurt us inside. Uh, uh, so we, we got our challenges, uh, especially getting ready for that game. But, again, we got to really focus on day by day and game by game. And Old Dominion is going to give us more than what we can handle. 315-437-7644 is the number. We've got about 15 minutes left in the show. We're going to step aside, take our final timeout. We'll wrap things up right after this. It's the Alan Griffith Show. We're coming to you live from Atilio's on James. Back after this on ESPN Radio. Live from Atilio's. This is the Alan Griffin Show. Here's your host, Stephen Fonte. All right, we got a little bit less than 10 minutes to go on the Alan Griffin Show. Stephen Fonte, Mike Waters, Alan Griffin with you up until 9 o'clock. 315-437-7644 is the number. We're coming to you live from Atilio's on James. And, uh, Griff, one of uh, Mike Hopkins' best friends, Mort, in the house uh, tonight. <laughs> how, about the, how about the job that Hop's doing? Oh, he's done a phenomenal job. Almost uh, took down Gonzaga. Oh, man, I watched that game from the beginning to the end, and uh, it was unfortunate that Hop didn't get that win. But he uh, he had his guys ready to play, and uh, it, w- it was awesome to see Hop and Nate compete against the number one team the way they did. I know you remain uh, good friends with him and, and uh, you know, as do, you know, all the members of the coaching staff. How much do you get a chance to, you know, whether it's a text message here or there, do you, I mean, how much do you talk to him in season? I would imagine it's tough because you guys are both really busy, but do you talk at all during the season? Via text, a lot, but Hop is great. You know, he might not call you right away, but you can wake up in one of those mornings at like 8 o'clock, 8 a.m., and you got like yeah, one eye open, and it's uh, a text message and a phone call from Hop saying, "Hey, 
was going on, and uh, that's you know, Hop's a great dude. So we uh, we got a few minutes left in the show. We haven't spent much time talking about the forward position tonight, and I do want to get your thoughts on the way that. Elijah Hughes and O'Shea Brissett have, have both played of late. Uh, let, let's start with Elijah. He had that one game against Cornell where he kind of blended into the background and scored four points, but that, that's been the exception and not the rule, and he's bounced back with a couple of really good games uh, against Northeastern and, and then Georgetown and scored 15 points, grabbed six boards on Saturday against the Hoyas. You know, one thing is, is that, um, you know, we don't win the game unless Elijah comes out and play the way he did in the second half. Uh, he made some huge threes. Uh, and it gave, you know, Tyus a platform to doing what he did. Uh, Elijah was unbelievable. You know, if you look at the uh, the uh, Ohio State game, uh, I mean, if he don't make the shots that he made, he made some huge ones, and they were deep. Uh, if he don't make those shots, well, you know, I don't think we come out victorious in that game either. Uh, you know, and, that, and, that's, and that's why Elijah was born here, not just to be a three-point shooter, uh, but also just being a guy that can go out there and get you double-digit points. Um, when you think about our team last year, you had Tyus, you had Frank, you had O'Shea. You didn't have that other guy. And what Elijah's doing right now is being that other guy times 10. And, uh, you know, we're, we're very fortunate to have an Elijah. To have him out there, like you said, to have that other guy, but especially a guy like Elijah who can hit the three from the opposite wing that whatever Tyus is at. What effect does that have on the rest of the offense? Oh, it's spacing. Uh, spacing for guys like Jalen that can get in there, break the defense down, and kick it out to the shooters. Spacing for Frank to get in there. Spacing for our centers, you know, Pascal, to get those opportunities because now teams don't ha- teams can't really help on Pascal with the loud play and the pick-and-roll game. They got to stay to the shooters, and, and, what, and, and Elijah's doing an unbelievable job just – you know, knocking down shots and, and, and helping us keep the, fl- the the floor, excuse me, as spaced as possible. You know, you look at, at the job that O'Shea Brissett has done. Um, you know, you, you lost those two games down in New York, and he was settling for the three quite a bit. And it seems like since he got back, he's made a concerted effort to, to get to the basket and, as a result, get to the free throw line. And, his you know, his three-point attempts are down. His free throw attempts are up. And, and I would imagine that's, you know, that's not by coincidence. That's by design, yes? Oh, definitely. But, but the one thing that, you know, Coach has been doing a really good job with, with uh, O'Shea is, is to just making sure that, you know, he's confident if he gets a wide-open three-point shot, he can, you know, he concentrates and knocks it down. But also telling O'Shea, like, listen, that's just not your, you know, that's not all of your game. You, you, you can go inside. You can get to the free throw line. You can put the ball in the basket, driving the ball. So don't just be one-dimensional, you know. And uh, uh, you know he's responded very well. And the one, the greatest thing about what he's doing right now, his ability to offensive rebound. He's been a monster on the glass. So uh, that's just a, a big plus for us. He had nine boards against Georgetown. Who's he remind you of in terms of rebounding? Because he he did it right from the get-go last year as a freshman, averaging what was it, eight and a half rebounds yeah. a game? Wow. You know what I. I I can't even put my hand, my finger on it, to be honest with you. Um, you, you know, because, you know, early on in his career, especially when he first started off, he was playing the three position. Uh, then we kind of moved him over to the four. Uh, and this year he's been playing a lot more four than three just with the emergence of, you know, Elijah. So, uh, 
you know, he's just been going to the glass like a, a man possessed, and, uh, and we need that. You know, we need more guys. You know, we need Tyus to go in there a little bit more. We need, you know, Elijah, who did a really good job of tipping some balls out during Georgetown. So, uh, uh, you know, O'Shea has been really good in terms of going after the ball from an offensive rebound perspective. Not only did you guys make more shots in the second half against Georgetown, but I, I thought you got easier shots in the second half against Georgetown, and part of that was... You know, some transition baskets. You, you finished with 14 fast break points on Saturday. 12 of those points uh, on the break came after halftime. Um, discuss the tempo, I guess, if you could, Griff, because last year it felt like felt like you guys had to play slow at times because you had limited options on offense. This year, it, the options on offense aren't a problem. You feel like this team needs to play a little bit faster or maybe is at its best when it's a little faster? Definitely. Um, you know, we need to create a lot more possessions. Uh, and obviously the way you do that is got to play a little bit faster. But, but you also, too, when, when playing fast, you got to be smart. You can't just go out there and jack. you got to be precise on what you're trying to get out of it. Uh, and, and the one thing that we did was we were very efficient in the second half. We got the ball to the guys that we needed to get the ball to right away and those guys were able to attack and make you know make shots so you know you know playing fast you also have a responsibility of playing smart uh and and one of the things that coach has been really harping on is us just you know speeding up the tempo even if the team makes the basket get the ball out push it up the floor you know just put a little bit of pressure on the defense you know and and get them a little bit on the hills and i, I thought in the second half of georgetown game we, we did a great job and you know the one guy who you, you have to credit is the freshman jalen curry uh, he was in there he, you know he got it he got it up the floor and we were able to get into our stuff a lot faster and, and it created a lot of opportunity i, I think elijah baskets came off a of tempo yeah. more so than the offense uh so it was, it was it was big for us a lot of teams take a little bit more time to get their shot against you guys because you're playing that zone is it hard to, to get out in transition when you've been sitting back playing defense for 20 25 seconds that's the most exciting time in the basketball game is when you get the ball on the offense <laughs> you know um but you know because our zone is the way it is, and it, 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 uh, it has some teams shooting, you know, uh, jumpers, and you get long rebounds, it, it actually helps us to being able to getting out faster. Uh, and, and, and you know, guys like Frank and guys like Tyus and the centers that played last year, uh, those guys just got to get used to playing at a, a faster tempo, uh, just because we had to play the way we had to last year. Uh, we need to kind of change that mindset and get out a little bit more. And, and that was one of the main reasons why we were able to get the win against Georgetown. Okay. If Tyus gets a breakout, if it's like a one-on-one or a one-on-two even at 6'6", 210 pounds, it, it, he goes to the basket aggressively. That's a fast break, and, and that gets him going. Yeah, I, I said to him when I first got the job here, I did like I'm, – I'm big into the analytics. And the one thing about Tyus, uh, he was one of the best players in the country as a freshman in transition. One of the best. I think I got the numbers on my desk. I didn't throw them out. These shows always fly by. We are uh, we're out of time. Oh wow. We've got a noon tip on Saturday inside the Carrier Dome against Old Dominion and then Buffalo uh, next week. That'll be an 8 o'clock tip. For Mike Waters, for Alan Griffin, I'm Stephen Fonte. Thanks so much for listening to the Alan Griffin Show. Thank you to Attilio's on James for hosting us here tonight. Enjoy your night, everybody. We'll see you in the Dome on Saturday.